Well, again, uh, happy Advent to you this uh, Christmas Eve, uh, this fourth Sunday of the Advent season, which of course means that we have now come to our fourth and final sermon in our Advent series, uh, where we have been in, in Luke chapters 1 and 2, uh, considering those four Christmas songs uh, that Luke uh, records around the birth of Christ, uh, that very first Christmas. And so far, we have heard Mary's song, uh, Zechariah's song, uh, last week, the song of the angels, and this week, Simeon's song, uh, which is also known as the Nunc Dimittis. Uh, this is found in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 25 through 35. And as I was studying this passage, uh, it, it made me think of, of my good friend, the good friend of many of us, uh, good old Dan Caprio, uh, just a, a few years before the Lord called him home. And I was, uh, I was reminded of, of a specific conversation uh, with Dan. So it was, uh, it was the fall of, of 2016, uh, Dan being a lifelong fan of the Chicago Cubs was thrilled they had finally finally won the World Series. After a 108-year championship drought, finally. And Dan was so over the moon about this, what I remember most about that conversation is he said, Camper, whenever the Lord chooses to call me home, I have now seen the glory and I can depart in peace. Well, that means that Dan has got something, uh, something in common with Simeon, uh, the man that we're going to meet uh, today, a man who was also waiting to see glory before he could depart in peace. And so we'll meet him in just a moment, uh, but let's first go to our God in prayer. Well, Lord God Almighty, oh, how we, we thank you. We thank you this, uh, this day as we celebrate you. And thank you for coming to us. Uh, thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us in Jesus, for making yourself known through your word. And oh, how we would ask now that you would move in our hearts, that you would awaken us to the beauty, the power, the reality of the gospel, that you would open your word to us and us to your word. Amen. Well, as I said a moment ago, we're going to focus on verses 25 through 35. Uh, but for the sake of context, I'm going to be begin reading with verse 21. And also at the very end of our passage, verse 35, I'm going to reorder the last two phrases uh, to help us better hear what's actually being said. I'm only telling you this so you don't get caught off guard and, and are confused. So with that said, I invite you now to hear the Word of God, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. 
and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them, and then said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And this is God's Word. Well, so the scene before us, uh, Mary has given birth to her firstborn son. Uh, Mary and, and Joseph now go up to Jerusalem uh, to the temple to present their child to God. And it's in the temple that Mary and Joseph encounter this old man named Simeon. And so today we're going to look at this passage in, in, in three simple parts. Uh, Simeon, song, and sight. So we're, we're first going to consider this old man, Simeon. Uh, then we'll, we'll talk a bit about the song that he sings. And finally, we'll look at how he sees. Simeon, song, and sight. And so Simeon, uh, let's begin with the old man in the temple, uh, verses 25 through 27. Let me reread those verses for us. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. Okay, so what do we know about Simeon? Well, that's it. What you've got in front of you, historically, that is all we know about this man, Simeon. So the text implies that he's an old man. Uh, given that he speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible presents him as a prophet. His character is highlighted, referring to him as being righteous and godly. And it says that, that he is, verse 25, it says that he is waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon longs for the deliverance of his people, for God's comfort, for God to restore a, a, an oppressed and broken people. In other words, Simeon is waiting for the coming of Christ, 
the Lord's anointed one. And he is waiting. Why? Well, what do we find here? Verse 26, he is waiting because it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So I want us to think carefully about one word in verse 25 for a moment. The word waiting. Simeon is waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for God's Messiah, the coming of Christ. Now, some of you may remember uh, several years ago, we had a a wonderful family, a part of of this church, uh, Matt and Trina Garrison. Uh, Matt would sometimes lead music for us up front on Sunday mornings. And and I remember one of those mornings, and it was actually during the Advent season, uh, I remember one of those mornings right before Matt began leading us in in singing, he shared about a colleague of his. He he worked at a local restaurant, and and just the night before, he'd had a late night, gotten off work, and had a a conversation with with a fellow server, uh, somebody that he waited tables with. And he shared this about that long conversation. His friend said, I wasn't always a junkie. I don't want to be a junkie. I'm waiting not to be. And as Matt rightly put it, isn't that all of us? Isn't that all of us? We're all waiting to be delivered from our junk. Every single person. In other words, we're an Advent people, and not just during the Advent season, but an Advent people all the time, waiting for the arrival of our Savior, waiting to be fully delivered from all our sin and sorrow. We're all waiting, waiting for something, waiting for someone Well, Simeon was waiting too, and though his waiting was hard and and wearisome at times, no doubt, it was also full of joy and anticipation. And why? Because he was waiting for someone he loved. He was waiting for someone he knew loved him. Simeon was waiting for God. Resting in the truth of God's promises, the truth of God's salvation. And it's a salvation worth singing about. And so that brings us to the next part of our passage. Song. Let's move from Simeon to his song. And we're going to look at his song in its two sections. Uh, you, You may have noticed that there's what we would call the traditional hymn. Uh, verses uh, 28 to 33, and then it probably caught your attention, the tragic postlude, uh, verses 34 and 35. And so the traditional hymn, uh, picking back up with verse 28, Simeon took the child up in his arms and blessed God, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles 
and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Okay, so it is clear, when, when Simeon sees this baby, God in the flesh, light of the world, when Simeon sees him, his heart soars. When Simeon sees this baby, he sings to the glory and praise of God, hallelujah. Couldn't help but sing. As one commentator describes it, these verses seem to tell a story. They tell the story of a servant who is instructed by his master to keep watch through the long, dark night on a high place to wait for the rising of a special star and then, then to announce it. After wearisome yet expectant hours of waiting, he at last sees the star rising in all of its brightness. He announces it and is then discharged from keeping watch any longer. And in this case, God has called Simeon to watch and to wait for the star of salvation, the rising of God's Son. And Simeon declares, verse 30, My eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon sees Jesus. And as he looks into the face of this baby boy, he knows that he is seeing the very face of God, the bright morning star. And he sings for joy. Jesus, verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Yes, this baby in Simeon's arm, this baby wasn't just for Simeon to see. It wasn't just for, for the nation of, of Israel to see, but it was for everyone to see. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, a light for all peoples. Simeon's song, as Philip Ryken puts it, takes the gospel and makes it global. Simeon sings of good news for the entire world. Well, one more thing before leaving this particular part of Simeon's song. Did you notice how it begins? They seem a bit peculiar. Verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. You are letting your servant depart in peace. Well, as I, I think about that, I, I think of, of losses within our church this year. And just even a couple of days ago, the, the loss of our very dear brother, Steve Bryan. And, and I remember just a week before last, sitting down with Steve, we had a, had a wonderful conversation. And, and we talked about his, his cancer. We talked about his impending death. But what stood out to me most about that conversation is that, that in the midst of a very real suffering and sorrow, even with tears in his eyes, what stood out to me was at the very same time his confidence in Christ. 
didn't minimize the pain and the suffering, but it held it in perspective. And, and he shared how he wanted, he wanted more time with Linda. But he said, I know when the time comes and God calls me home that I'm at peace because I know Jesus. I've seen him. And friends, that's what we see here with Simeon. Simeon had, had seen Jesus, and he is saying that whenever his time came, whenever the Lord would call him home, he was ready now to depart in peace. And so that's why he begins this prophecy with these words of dismissal. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. So as I said earlier, this uh, traditional hymn of Simeon, it's often referred to as the nunc dimittis. And, and these are simply the, the Latin words meaning, now you are dismissing. And remember what it says in verse 26. It, it says that, that Simeon would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Well, now Simeon has seen the Lord's Christ. He has seen Jesus. And thus now he is ready to depart in peace. In other words, he is ready to die. Well, as for Simeon, so for everyone. The only way to die in peace is to have truly seen Jesus. To have put your trust in him for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God, recognizing your need of a Savior and realizing that Jesus is that Savior. Friends, that is truly seeing Jesus. And God's desire for you and for me is that we would not see death before having seen Jesus. Because let's face it, none of us like to think about death, talk about death. We, we try to, to avoid it, distract ourselves from it. But the reality is, we will all face death at some point, all of us. But until you've seen Jesus, you're not ready to die. And that leads us to the tragic postlude that second part of Simeon's song. So after the traditional hymn comes the tragic postlude, verses 34 and 35. And I want you to hear again these words. These words that Luke recorded as a, as a part of telling the story. The very first Christmas, he tells them for a reason and he wants us to hear. Now, verse 34. And Simeon then said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Well, Simeon is sung of God's salvation. He is sung of Jesus, and he knows too that the Savior would only accomplish salvation 
through a sword. Not wielding a sword, but rather dying on one. That's right. And Simeon gets it. From Christmas to the cross. That's what he's getting at. Because you see, this baby was born to die. This child was born for confrontation and crucifixion. Jesus was born to confront the sinful hearts of sinful people, to expose our need of a Savior. And He was born to be crucified for sinners like you and like me, so that we might know the forgiveness of sins and a restored relationship with God forever. And yet Simeon knows, he knows that not everyone will receive God's offer of salvation, this gift of grace. And thus he says, what? He says that some will fall. Those who are proud and arrogant, unwilling to admit their need, and thus reject God's forgiveness and unbelief. And to others, others will rise. Those who are humble and repentant, who recognize their need and receive God's forgiveness by faith. It's a gift. A gift to be received. Again, the only way to die in peace is to have truly seen Jesus. Have you seen Him? Because God desires for you and for me, He desires that we would truly see the Savior. And His desire, His desire is that we would not only see Him, when we first come to faith, but that we, that we would also continually see Him as we live by faith. And so now we move from song to sight. And so lastly, sight. And the question before us, have you really seen Jesus? And if so, have you, have you seen Him recently? And if not, have you been looking? Well, at the heart of our passage is verse 30, where, where Simeon declares, My eyes have seen your salvation. Again, God's desire for you and for me is that we would truly see Jesus. But, you know, maybe there are those moments where, like me, maybe you think, yeah, but if only I'd just been there, right? If only I'd just been there like, like Simeon, you know, to, to, to be able to see Jesus in the flesh. But friends, think about it. Think about that day 2,000 years ago in the temple. Because there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in and out, in and out, all day. And in particular, when, when Joseph and Mary were bringing Jesus in to present Him to God. Hundreds of people saw Jesus in the temple that day. They saw Jesus, but they didn't really see Him, did they? No, because they, they weren't looking. They weren't waiting. They weren't waiting to see the Savior. So several years ago at our, our denomination's uh, annual convention, uh, General Assembly, uh, we always have special guests from other denominations. In this one particular year, we had an Anglican priest with us by the name of Rico Tice. Uh, Rico's from England, uh, based out, out of London. 
And, and he shares the story of when, when a friend of his invited him for a, a very nice lunch at a very fine restaurant in London. And so uh, Rico sh- shares about how that day he arrived, he, he went up to the second floor of the building where the restaurant was located, checked in with the maitre d', had arrived before his friend. And so he, devi- he decided that he would go wait uh, down the stairs on the landing because there was a, uh, a nice size landing, a, a large window, and it was a beautiful day. Thought it would be a great place to wait. And he talked about how over the next several minutes, there were people going up the stairs and down the stairs, back and forth, back and forth. And then he said he remembered when there was just a single young man came walking up the stairs and obviously did the same thing, checked in with the maitre d', found out that he too had arrived before the person he was going to be having lunch with. And so this young man also decided that he would wait for his friend on the landing. So he walked back down the stairs and so here you got these, these two guys, right? And they just look at each other, give a head nod. Then do what us guys do, just kind of stared at the floor, hands in the pockets. Enrico said, uh, you know, over the next several minutes, there continued to be, be people going by. But then all of a sudden, there was this one guy just bounding up the stairs, saying, William, Will, William, sorry, I am late for lunch. Let's, let, let's go eat. And Rico said it was at that moment that he realized the young man that had been standing in front of him was none other than Prince William. And he said, up, up until that moment, all that I saw was, was just a, a young man with a nice smile and, and, and thinning blonde hair. But do you, do, do you hear the point? Rico saw William, but he didn't really see him, did he? No. Oh. Because, because he wasn't looking. He wasn't waiting that day. He wasn't waiting that day to see his future king. Well, are you waiting? Are you looking? And for us today, just as it was for Simeon, the issue at hand is really not about our physical eyes, is it? No, it's, it's rather about our spiritual eyes. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of faith. And just as Paul continually prayed that the eyes of his heart would be opened, so we too need to, to be praying the very same thing, asking that the eyes of our hearts would be opened, that we might see Jesus And you know, when we ask to see Him, what we discover is that the eyes of our hearts are opened by the Holy Spirit when we we come to the written Word, because it is there that we see the living Word, Jesus. When we ask, He makes Himself known. And then with Simeon, according to God's Word, we're able to declare, my eyes have seen your salvation. Tomorrow, it's Christmas Day. What have you asked for? Or rather, what, what do you really want most? Because for Simeon, Simeon really wanted to see God's salvation. More than anything else, He wanted to see Jesus because he knew that if he did, 
then his heart would truly be satisfied. And as for Simeon, so for us. And so we ask to see Jesus and then wait expectantly for him. And yes, yes, we are waiting for his return. We are waiting to see him when he comes back and and renews all things. But we are also waiting for him to reveal himself to us now. In in, in the very day-to-day of our lives. Today. Tomorrow. The next day. And friends, as, as, as we look upward, we will see Jesus. He's promised it. We will see Him in the midst of the mundane, maybe even on the landing of a stairwell. We will see Him in the midst of our own personal struggles, those things that are so very hard and even suffocating in life. We'll see Him in the midst of the darkness that surrounds our fallen world. And as we see Jesus... As we see Him, we are reminded that death does not have the last word. We are reminded that in Christ, we too can live and depart in peace. And we are reminded that one day, all will be made right. And why? Because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. O Lord Jesus, light of the world, oh, how we thank you for shining into the darkness. We confess that we are too often just tired and weary people, Desperately trying to distract ourselves from the pain and suffering of our our broken, fallen world. But we ask afresh this day, this morning, would you shine your light into our hearts that we might see your salvation both now and forever. Amen.